Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. This morning we're starting a new series called Multiply, uh, Disciples Making Disciples. Um, Jesus commanded his followers to make and multiply disciples. And when you think about it, his final command should be our first priority. And that's what this series is about. Well, this day is special to me for another reason, not just because it's Mother's Day. But seven years ago today, this old boy was standing right here wearing a Kentucky blue shirt saying, Hey, Larry, you wore Tennessee orange. Thank you, brother. You remember that? You were over there at the time. I remember that, right? See, seven years has flown by when I came here and preached in view of a call. And then we left here and went straight to Kansas City. And that Friday, I graduated from seminary. And when we went to Kansas City, we went to a place called the College Basketball Hall of Fame. How many of you have ever been there? Really? Wow, I wasn't prepared for that, Devin. They surprised me, you know. I mean, you know, south of the border, we like football. I know y'all like basketball. Okay, well, okay. We, uh, we went to Kansas City, and they have the College Basketball Hall of Fame there. And they call it the College Basketball Experience. If you've never been and you got kids, you should go. It's this huge building. You could spend all day there if you want to. Uh, check out their website. It, you can get a better idea from, from there. But I learned a lot about college basketball, the history of college basketball. Like Dr. James Naismith, he is the uh, founder. He's credited as the founder of the sport, modern-day basketball. And then um, there's a coaching tree from that. Uh, the next guy is Forrest Fogg Allen. He's credited as being the father of, of coaching basketball because he kind of took what the founder invented and he began to, you know, popularize it. From Forest Allen uh, comes different guys like Adolph Rupp. Y'all are a hard crowd today, right? <laughs> Dean Smith. Okay, man, y'all are a hard cr- crowd, yeah. And you get the idea, though. That, that was the third generation. Rupp, Rupp was the third generation, and then... This graphic I found on the internet, it, it goes through Dean Smith's branch where you have Larry Brown, Roy Williams, George Carl, and some others. And, and then from Dean Smith to Larry Brown, guess who's underneath Larry Brown? Fifth, fifth branch on the tree, Calipari. Finally, somebody answered me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so uh, Calipari is fifth from the, the, the source, I guess you could say, now, see, I'm a sports fan, and so I appreciate these coaching trees, you know? And um, you, you look at these coaching trees, and I mean, I won't talk about a guy named Nick Saban, but, you know, he's, he's had so many assistants that have gone on to win, like the coach Kirby Smart at Georgia, and, you know, so on and so on. And so you've got all these guys that are, that, that are coaching trees. I mean, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and, of course, Coach Andy Reid, he's had an assistant to go on and win the, the Super Bowl. I think two of them have, actually. 
But uh, you've got all these coaching trees in sports where we look and go, wow, this guy mentored these guys and these guys went on and mentored these guys. And you can look at three, four, five generations and go, wow, that's pretty impressive. You know, they're, they were really good at what they did. And that is a neat thing to talk about. But the Bible says, uh, Paul told Timothy, a young man in the ministry in 2 Timothy 2, 1, he said, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Think about that for a minute. Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay? I'm, I'm visual. Okay? Devin, come here. Joshua, come here. David, come here. All you got to do is stand. Just look pretty. All right? <laughs> and so, think about it. Paul is telling Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who can teach others also. And you have four generations. But then when you count, you know, somebody shared the gospel with Paul, you got four generations. Wouldn't that be cool if we had that kind of spiritual family tree? Amen. Go ahead, guys. You can sit down. Thank you. That's what I want to talk to you about today. My message is entitled, A Vision of Multiplying Disciples of Jesus Christ. Imagine your spiritual family tree. Think for a moment, who shared the gospel with you? And who did God use to help disciple you? I think if we were honest, we can all think of different people that God put in our life. That, that He used to share the gospel with us, to maybe lo love us, to come alongside and teach us something about God's Word. And we, we grew up and, and we, you know, we, we, we became a believer and we grew in, in our understanding of knowing and doing God's will. But then there comes a time when we have to ask ourselves, you know, what about me? You know, who am I sharing the gospel with? And, and who am I making disciples I mean, am I taking what God has given to me and am I passing it on to someone else? That's what this is all about. My very first church, Faxon Baptist Church, it's in West Tennessee between the Big Sandy River and the Tennessee River. Um, it's the land between the lakes area on the Tennessee side. They had a little tradition when they would sing happy birthday to someone you know, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. And it says, born again means salvation. How many have you? And the first time they sang it, I was like, well, I didn't know that version of the song, you know. And they go, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Born again means salvation. How many have you? And then I realized, ah, oh, what, a, what a neat way to kind of encourage and challenge us at the same time by saying, yeah, it's your birthday. And God gave you your very life, and He gave you your very breath. And since we did this last time, a year has passed. Born again means salvation. How many of you shared the gospel with in the past year? Wow. That's what's in that song. That's what's in that lyric. You know, you and I are called to make disciples, to be disciples and to make disciples. This is the vision that God has for us. Turn, if you will, for a moment 
uh, to John chapter 4. I love John chapter 4. I'm going to resist the urge to preach that story. It's where Jesus meets the woman from the well in Shachar, Samaria. And it's an awesome story in and of itself. But uh, once the disciples who went to town to get food come back, uh, they see him talking to this lady, and she rushes off, leaves the bucket that she brought, and they start talking to Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples in John 4, verse 34 and 35, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say... There are still four more months, and then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields, because they are ready for harvest. Now, what Jesus was saying is his true food was to do what God wanted him to do. And he was always aware of God's timing in his life, and he was always aware of each day I'm passing through this world, I'm passing through this life, and I've got to make the most of every moment. I've got to make the most of every opportunity right now because that moment's gone and I'll never get it back. And so Jesus was saying, don't say four more months and then there'll be a harvest. He says, open up your eyes, look at the fields because the harvest is ready right now. You know, I believe that's what the Lord wants us to see today. He wants, to, he wants us to have spiritual vision to see the needs of people in this world, in our community, in our county, right now around us that are sheep without a shepherd. They're looking for God. They just don't know it yet. And they know there's something out there that they're missing and they don't realize what it is. And the Lord wants us to see this vision. Not only does the Lord want us to see this vision, but He wants us... He wants to send us to pursue the vision. Look, if you will, in Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. And when he saw the crowds, the Bible says he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Again, the Lord is saying the harvest is out there. It's, it's, it's there for the picking. There are people right now that are, are looking uh, for someone to tell them about Jesus. They will not say that, okay? They don't even know that yet, but they're looking for God in all the wrong places and they're waiting for someone to come and love them and share God's word with them. And the Holy Spirit will take that. He'll bring them understanding. He'll bring conviction. And they, some of them will hear it and go, oh, I get it for the very first time. And so Jesus is saying, look, this is the vision. And I want you to realize that the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into His harvest. You see, that is the vision that Jesus wants us to see. And that is the vision that He's sending all of us, not just preachers, not just missionaries, but all of us can go outside these walls and there's somebody we know and love that doesn't know Jesus. 
And we might be the only Bible that they ever read or see or hear. Think about that for a minute. What I want to do today is I want to show you from God's Word that there are four reasons why you and I should pursue this vision of multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ. Number one, listen to the command from above. Listen to the command from above. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, also known as the Great Commission, Jesus comes and says to his followers, this is, a, this is after the resurrection, he appeared to them, and Matthew ends his gospel with these words. Jesus came near, said to his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Years ago, I had the opportunity to go to um, this concert, and they had a special speaker. And the guy's name was Mark Cahill. And I thought, well, who is that? He played college basketball in Auburn. Boy, I'm dropping all this knowledge, right? See, I'm trying to get up to speed on college basketball, y'all. But uh, he played college basketball at Auburn with a guy named Charles Barkley. And through his friendship with Charles Barkley, he actually got to meet Michael Jordan. And while everybody else was oohing and on about, hey, there's Jordan, he was trying to share the gospel with Michael Jordan. Well, anyway, Mark Cahill, great guy, he goes around the country and he speaks and he witnesses. And he wrote a book called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. That's a great title, by the way. One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And you know what that is? The one thing you can't do in heaven is share the gospel with someone who's lost. Let that sink in for a minute. And that's what his book is about. He opens up, I mean, very first page, very first paragraph of that book. Here's what it says. 300 million years from now, what will be the only thing that will matter? Will it matter how much money you made? Will it matter what kind of car you drove? Will it matter who won the NCAA football and basketball titles this year? Will it matter who took you to the homecoming dance? 300 million years from now, the only thing will matter is who is in heaven and who is in hell. And if that's the only thing that will matter then, then that should be one of our greatest concerns now. And you know what? He is absolutely right. We have been given a command from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. After rising from the dead, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. You don't need anybody's permission. I'm telling you to go make disciples, baptize them and teach them. And just remember, I'll be with you to the end of the age. We have our mandate and our mission from God. He tells us to make disciples. 
We don't have to ask anybody for permission on that. He's given it to us. This is what I've called you to do. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he says, I've given you this command from above. Go and make disciples. Mark Cahill sums it up and says this. The real question is this. What are you doing of significance today that will matter 300 million plus years from now? Wow. You see, the one thing that you and I can do today that will matter millions of years from now is sharing the gospel with someone. Just think for a moment. Somebody shared it with you. Or you probably wouldn't be here. I know I wouldn't be here. I'm glad that somebody did. And I know that you are too. So the biggest reason why we are commanded to pursue this vision of multiplying disciples is there's a command from above. Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Not only is there a command from above, but I want you to listen to the cry from beneath. The cry from beneath. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, it's a wonderful uh, chapter in the Bible. But in Luke chapter 16, we have the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, I'll just read it to you. It's in uh, Luke 16, verse 19. It says, There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. And he longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, that's the dwelling of the dead, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called to him, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this flame. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you, so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot, and neither can those from there cross over to us. And then the rich man says, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And then he says in verse 31, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets... They will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. I want you to hear the cry from beneath. This rich man is in hell and he calls out to Abraham. There's a chasm, but he can see beyond it. And he sees those that are comforted and he realizes he's in torment. And he says in verse 27, Father Abraham, I beg you to send, send someone to my father's house because I got five brothers to warn them so they won't come to this place of torment. 
when you go and share the gospel with people, people that just don't care about God or church, they'll say, oh, I'm just going to bust hell wide open and have a party and I'm taking everybody with me. You ever heard that? I have. And they go, oh, we're going to have a good time. You don't even know what you're saying. Because when we look at the scriptures, it's not that way at all. It's, it's conscious, eternal punishment. It's to- ongoing torment. It's where the flame doesn't go out, where the worm never dies, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and where there is darkness. And worst of all, there's eternal separation from God. And here is the cry from beneath. Those that are there say, please send someone to warn my family. I don't want them to come here. Why should you and I pursue a vision of multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ where there's the command from above, the great commission from Jesus Christ, and there is the cry from beneath? You know, I can remember during my college years, I lost a few people. A few people in my life died. You know, just about, I guess it was about a month, month and a half after graduating from high school, one of my friends and classmates, Hal Maven, um, we were always Meg's Maven. I was always right behind him if we had lined up alphabetically. And he had aspirations to go to college and be a medical doctor. And he never got the chance. He was a ticking time mom and nobody knew it. In the summer of that year after graduating high school, he died of a brain aneurysm. Just like that. And then, I believe somewhere along the way, I lost some great-grandparents. And then, halfway through college, my stepdad that helped raise me as I was growing up, he died. And I remember a couple of other friends had died. There was one girl I was in band with. Her and someone else in the family were murdered because they found them in a burned home locked up in the closet. A lot of things happened during my college years, and I'm just like, there was another kid that I worked with at the grocery store, and he, he stopped and helped someone late at night, and he was murdered too. Kind of sounds bad, I know, but I'm just saying a, a lot of crazy things happened during my college years, people that I knew, and some of them died. And it kind of rattled me, you know. It made me think, wow, you know, it can happen to anybody. Just don't think that just because you're young, that you've got plenty of time because you don't know. It's a crazy world out there. And uh, I remember going home one night and just feeling the weight of the reality that people that I know and love can die, and some have. And I went home and... My, my uh, family will tell you this. I am not very artistic at all. It's kind of scary. I can't draw stick people. But I got a sheet of paper, and I drew a cross, and I had some uh, blood. I think I drew a drop of blood, and then I wrote a statement. And for the longest time, I kept it in my room on the wall. And the statement with that picture of the cross and some blood was this. People are eternal. Never forget it. That's true. People are eternal. Never forget it. Now, now what do I mean by people are eternal? Well, ultimately, there's going to be a judgment day, and there's going to be a heaven 
or a hell. And heaven is where you have everlasting life with God forever and ever and ever and ever, and you get the idea. But most people think that hell is kind of like, ooh, this cool party, and I'll have all my friends there, and we'll, we won't have you know, religion, and we won't have God's people, and we won't have you know, you know, uh, all this stuff going on. We'll still have our, our thing, and, and we'll be happy. No, you won't. And, and then they think, well, if it's really bad, we'll, we'll just die, and that'll be it. And that's not it either. A lot of people want to think life is a video game. When the screen goes black, it says game over, and that's it. No. Eternal conscious torment. The flame doesn't go out. The worm doesn't die. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's darkness, and there is eternal separation from God. I'm not making those things up. All of those things are in the Bible, and it comes from Jesus himself. Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. And he gave us vivid pictures so we could visualize it, what it looks like, what it's going to be like. And so I want you to realize that people are either going to be with God in glory forever and ever, or they're going to be separated from him in hell forever and ever in eternal conscious torment. People are eternal. Never forget it. That's the cry from beneath. Will you pursue the vision of multiplying disciples of Christ? We've listened to the command from above. We've listened to the cry from beneath. Number three, listen to the call from without. In Acts 16, Paul documents how he and this team of believers were out sharing the gospel. They were on a mission trip and they were going to to new places that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were sharing the gospel with people, seeing them saved, and they were planting churches wherever believers began to to pop up. And in Acts 16, as he was seeking the Lord on, where do we go next? Where do we go from here? In Acts 16, verse 9, during the night... Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, it says that we, that means the people with Paul, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, there's the command from above, there's the cry from beneath, but there is the call from without. God wants us to hear the call. There are people out there that don't know. There are people out there that haven't heard. And you might think, we're in the Bible Belt. How can that be? Oh my, we are in the Bible Belt, and yes it is. You will be surprised how many people don't know what they don't know. And I don't say that in a way to belittle them. I'm saying that to us that we've assumed for far too long that everybody just has heard a little bit about the Bible. Not anymore. Not anymore. And if we don't tell them, who will? Listen to the call from without. Catch the vision that Christ is showing us. And He's sending us to be workers to go out into the field. Number four, and the last reason why you and I should pursue the vision of multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ. Look at how the love of Christ compels us from within. You see, we have the call from above, the Great Commission. We have the cry from beneath, the rich man in hell. We have the the call from without, the Macedonian vision. And now we have the, the love of Christ compelling us from within. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 5, he said in verse 13, For we are out of our mind. 
uh, or if we're out of our mind, excuse me, it is for God. And if we're in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached the conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. I love what uh, C.T. Studd, an old preacher back in the day, said. He said, I had known about Jesus dying for me, but I had never understood that, that if he had died for me, then I didn't belong to myself. Redemption means buying back so that if I belonged to him, I either had to be a thief and keep what wasn't mine, or else I had to give up everything to God. And when I came to see that Jesus had died for me, it didn't seem hard to give up all for him. I hope you caught that, but I'll read the last part again. He says, when I came to see that Jesus died for me, it didn't seem hard to give up all for him. That's true. Jesus paid it all. He paid for my sin. He paid for your sin. And now I can no longer live for myself, but I'm living for the one who sought me and bought me and died and rose again. Amen? And I'm living for Him. And that's what I believe God wants all of us to do. So today, I want you to think about this. Four reasons, four rock-solid biblical reasons why you and I should pursue this vision that the, the fields are ripened to harvest and there's few workers, and God's calling all of us to go. I mean, on the job, at school, where you live, the people you, you know, just share the hope and the love of Jesus Christ with them. And he says, this is the command we have from above. It's the cry that we have from beneath. It's the call we have from without. And it's the love of Christ that compels us within. I don't know about you, but Lord, have mercy on me when I haven't done it, right? And we all can do it, and we all should do it. I want to share this, and then I will wrap it up. In John 17, Jesus has a long prayer, but I just want to mention a couple verses of it. In John 17, verse 18, Jesus said, and this is his prayer. He's talking to the Father. As you sent me into the world... I have also sent them into the world. Jesus is passing the baton and he's highlighting in his prayer, Father, you sent me here to do your will and now I'm sending them into the world to do your will. We have the baton in our hand. Are we going to pass it on? And then two verses later in John 17 verse 20, Jesus prayed for himself. Then he prayed for the, the 12 disciples. And then in verse 20, he says, I pray not only for these, the, the men that followed him for three, three and a half years, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. And that trickles all the way down to right here. We are some of the fruits that believe the gospel of Jesus Christ because those original disciples went out and shared it with the then-known world. And now many of generations and years have passed, and that spiritual tree has come down all the way to you and me.
Remember, I started talking in, in this message at the beginning about trees, about coaching trees. And then we move toward spiritual trees for the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but I don't want the tree to end with me, do you? There's somebody in your life right now that you can pray for, that you can share the gospel with. You're not the Holy Spirit. You don't have to convert them. You just got to love them and, and say, hey, I'm just a beggar that found bread and I want to show you where the bread is. Jesus is the bread of life. If you come and, 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 and receive him in your life, you'll never thirst again. You'll never hunger again. The things of the, wor of the world that we all chase after won't have the same luster that they used to have. When you find Jesus, you've found something that God gives you that no man can ever take away. And you just share what he's done in your life with them. And you throw it out there as an invite. Here in a moment, we're going to have an invitation. And I'm going to ask you to do the very same thing. I'm going to ask you to say, hey, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Has there ever come a time where you've come to the foot of bloodstained cross and you realize, Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're the one that God promised. And you did all this for me so that I could come to you and be saved. And you'll have an opportunity to do that. Let's stand. Ushers, musicians, if you would come forward at this time. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this word for the word. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would speak to each and every heart. And Lord, let your Holy Spirit bear witness to the truth of your word today. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, they won't wait another year, another month, or even another week. That, Lord, today if we hear your voice, we don't want to harden our heart, but we want to call on your name now because today is the day of salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to every person and every heart. Have your will and your way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As the musicians play softly, the ushers will go ahead and collect the uh, next step cards. Or if you want to turn in your offering, you can do that too. But as they do that, and I want to brag on the church. We have an Easter offering every year. Um, Annie Armstrong that goes to North American Missions. And we exceeded our goal this past week. So thank you, church, for your generosity. Thank you for that. But I want to encourage you right now. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is He saying to you right now? Think about that. One of these days, we're all going to die. One of these days, we're all going to stand before God. We're going to have to give an account of everything we said and everything we did. And if we wait till then, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to be too late. The Bible says it's been appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. In Acts, I believe it was Peter that said, there's only one name under heaven whereby people can be saved and that is at the name of Jesus Christ. Today, I implore you with all of my heart and being because I realize what's at stake that all of us can go through the hectic busyness of life and miss the big picture. 
and that is knowing Jesus. Don't let another year, month, or even a week go by without getting it right in your heart. All you got to do is call upon His name. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, that's Romans 10, then you will be saved. That's not me talking. That's what James. That's what Romans 10 says in the Word of God. And it says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means you've got to call on His name. You've got to cry out to Him. And when you just simply do this, watch this. When you say, Lord, I believe you sent Jesus. He died on that cross. He didn't do anything wrong, but He died on that cross to pay for my sin. He rose from the dead to prove that He was God. And now, Lord, you're offering salvation through the name of Jesus paid for by the blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, I come. I come just as I am. Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. And Lord, I want to trust and follow you all of my days. You don't have to say that prayer word for word, but I'm just modeling what it's like. When you point to the promise of God and say, Lord, I believe. And then you humbly come before Him. You leave it all behind and you receive Him into your life as Lord and Savior. He can change your heart. He can change your life. And once you know Him, listen to this, once you know Him, you'll know because the Holy Spirit will let you know. So we're going to have an invitation. And right now, if you want to pray, then that's what this altar is open for. If you want to come, I'd love to talk to you. Brother Danny would love to come talk to you, whatever the case may be. But right now, we're going to have an invitation, and I pray you'll do what the Lord leads you to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.